Every day we hoistle in at Pilots and Pictards Podcast. Welcome to the Pilots and Pictards Podcast. This is Drew, the pragmatic and bleeding heart cyclops of this podcast. I'm Jimbo, the anti-millennial, non-conforming, existentialist, pilot critic, and Kenya the podcast. I'm Liz. I'm a mother of a single cat, the spark plug, and keeper of hot takes. I dole them out as I will. The magically undefeated Miss Mo, master of spoilers and lover of nobos, is out this week. She'll be back soon. And this is the podcast with nothing much to do about aircrafts, but potentially everything to do with the first episode of a filmic series. Petard is a word. It's a real word. It's a French word. And petards are fancy bombs. Look it up, read your Shakespeare, or just take our word for it. You know, we're a podcast. Uh, Pilots and Petards is also a proud member of the But Why Though podcast community. We would like to thank today's sponsor, Public Libraries, for this ad-free listening. And uh, here's your real quick fuck you. It's a fuck you for Crooked Media for your crooked piece of shit ads. And time is a consideration this week, so fuck you, Bill Maher. You are objectively terrible. Contact us to, con- to sponsor a show or to slander a rival. We are down for both. If you enjoy today's episode, then you owe us for ad-free entertainment. Uh, we could stack never-ending crooked ads and create sob stories as to why we need your money, but we don't. Repay your debt by leaving us an iTunes review or telling somebody else about our podcast. And for today's episode, uh, we are casting judgment and determine if the adults playing 7th graders comedy Pen15 or penis, really, a uh, pilot titled First Day Will Be Hoisted or Not Hoisted? And that is the question at hand. And Hoisters, we are doing a full episode today. We're hoping to keep it somewhat brief. So after part one, if you want to avoid spoilers, you should pause and go watch the episode and come back. And we got an email from a new listener, Thomas. He said he's having a blast and wants us to keep up the great work. He also is suggesting that we watch Doctor Who, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, or Pokemon Indigo League. So I'm leaning towards Doctor Who, but Thomas, for you, in your email, I think we can do at least one of these. I mean, I can definitely say two of those sound like drew and i episodes because they're real nerdy (laughs) all right so stand by thomas (laughs) and now for background this is a new show our previous guest jake drew who recommended the greatest pilot ever into the effing world he recommended pin 15 to me or penis two of the creators are actually the actors playing themselves when they were seventh graders and supposedly the third creator There's another character on the show called Sam. We can probably imagine that that's probably him, but he's way too old looking to play a seventh grader. I'm assuming. But he is a director, not of the pilot episode, but but he's directed and produced. And the three of them wrote and created the series. Uh, Jimbo, you want to hit us with that two-sentence summary that's unusually brief this week? Maya and Anna are starting junior high school. Stay tuned to find out if you should give a steaming pile of crap. You don't you don't need a second sentence on that one. No. And we're going to jump into part one, as we kind of mentioned a little bit. This will be our spoiler-free. We'll talk about the highs, the lows. We'll evaluate the pilot. We'll rank it. And then we'll dive into some analysis and spoilers. Drew, you like this show. Start us off, sir. I did. I'm, I'm getting the feeling, based on looking at the show notes, I might be the only one. But um, I will... 
I will preface this with the fact that I work in a middle school and we have watched some shows about schools and students and like, man, this one was like by far the closest in a lot of ways. So maybe that's why I have the affection for this show. And part of that is the high points is I like the younger actors in this show because they're very authentically middle schoolian, you know, except for the two leads who play themselves as 15 year olds or I mean, probably 13 year olds if they're in seventh grade. Yeah, 12. Yeah, 13, 13. Yeah, 12, 13. I won't even say self-awareness because they don't even show self-awareness, but, you know, they're the only seasoned actors, I guess I would say, based on ages. And um, the younger actors do a really good job of convincingly being seventh graders. I I would bet that these are actual seventh graders, which, you know, kudos, Pen15. You know, that's method acting there. They do look young. Now, about our seasoned actors, I don't – I would argue that they're not so seasoned. They're comedians. I'm, I'm not sure if they've done much acting. But Maya is the much better actor of the two, and Anna, I would say, is pretty terrible. The white girl. The white girl is terrible. I would say seasoned in that they're not 12, and everyone else seems to be 12. Seasoned in life, not so much acting. I mean, I think, like, artistically, I understand the decision to play themselves. This isn't really a high point. Go with it. But I feel like it just didn't work. High point wise, I did really like Maya's like Ace Ventura because uh, there is a point where they ask like, "What is the best thing you did on her summer vacation?" and her answer is watching Ace Ventura like six times, <laughs> and then she acts out Ace Ventura, and I thought that was hilarious. Overall, this was this was kind of like a bizarre show. I think it was very bizarre, but that was a high point for me because I think that the conceit of the show is that there's no irony. Well, I mean, there's a little bit of irony in the story, but there's no irony in their portrayal of themselves as 12-year-olds. I was kind of like, while I was watching the show, I was like, how long are they going to, like, hold this gag? You know, like, how long is this going to, like, not even be acknowledged? And by the time the show ended, it kind of got me on their side. So, like, I was kind of with you, Liz. Like, it was off-putting the whole time. The bra strap and the braces and the haircut, like, it was all off-putting. And then when the show just ended without even addressing it, I was kind of like, okay, well, you know what? A for effort. It felt almost more like a really, like a, not like a short movie, but like a short as opposed to a TV show episode. And I think that's because it didn't have the traditional beats that a TV show has. Um, And I guess that is because they wanted it to feel more realistic. I guess where do they go next i do just think in general it it almost feels like it it concluded itself and and i know i'm going like all over the place and maybe it's because i just don't have that many high points in general yeah i'm with you uh the music the music was was a high point i liked the time period it took place in because that's like when i was in middle school uh i will say i mean this is just a personal thing sometimes like like cringe compilations and like cringe comedy is not in like secondhand embarrassment always just makes me uncomfortable. So like this felt like a fever dream and was like not my type of thing. But I know that like some people do enjoy that. And yeah, I'm with Liz. I, th- I did not enjoy this episode. I was very bored. I thought it was just not entertaining. And it was very realistic. It's a very literal interpretation of school. But if we look at good pilots, 
no one wants to watch like a exact little representation of stuff like that's not what makes good storytelling but it makes unique storytelling like this was at least it's uniquely different. boring <laughs> i was like is unique good like I, like it wasn't that unique drew because this really? is the same thing that offensive aussie dude did like 10 years ago I, except it's a lot more sympathetic to like the less heard voices as well as it's told from like their viewpoint in like a much and more realistic racist. way yeah, dude, I, people have been telling high school stories with, like, prettier, older people for, like, I don't know how old Saved by the Bell is, but, I mean, I think that's what makes it a little bit more tolerable is that they're not really trying to, like, tell a cliched story here. They're telling a well-told story because it's, like, it's kind of our story, you know? It's the story of people who had, like, a crappy adolescence in middle school where they felt like they didn't fit in, which popular culture would have you believe is not that many people, but real life would be, like, a the vast, vast majority of people, even people who felt like they had it all put together, that's just a super insecure and weird time. So, I mean, I don't think this is retelling the same cliches that a bunch of other stories are telling. I think it's just telling a story that, like, a lot of people identify with and don't necessarily glamorize or want to dwell on. But I do think it is possible to tell a realistic and accurate portrayal of something and to do it still with interesting story beats. Maybe it's just because I watched it recently, but One Day at a Time, the recent remake, which unfortunately just got canceled by Netflix, is the first thing that comes to mind. That is a sitcom about uh, a Latinx family, but it touches on major issues, everything from having a gay teenager in the home, having PTSD, having anxiety attacks. It touches on real issues that real families deal with, but it still has the same kind of beats that a sitcom does. But, like, when I watched the episode literally titled Anxiety, I felt very seen. And I felt like that was the most accurate representation of anxiety and of a panic attack I had ever seen on television. Literally, at one point, a psychiatrist tells the main character, having anxiety doesn't make you unstable. It just makes you a human being, like any other condition. Um, So I, I still think you can be interesting and tell a realistic story. And I think the fault with this pilot is unfortunately it just wasn't interesting. And I think the fault of that is because it didn't stick to a traditional storied structure, which is there for a reason. You don't always have to reinvent the wheel. The directing wasn't executed. I think the writing was okay. Maybe the director just needs more practice. Yeah, maybe, you know, these people are still somewhat young. Like, the director looks fairly young, even though he has a huge beard and hair. He's probably, like, around 30. So, you know, the, it's it's young it's young producers and creators. So maybe they just need some more practice. All right. Well, this is the moment before the moment we've all been waiting for. But this one might be easier to predict than usual. <laughs> Jimbo, are you going to watch or rewatch this show? No, thanks. Um, I might watch the second episode because I kind of landed where Liz was, which is what do they do now? And, you know, episodes are 27 minutes long. So maybe I'll see what happens next. It's a low cost. It was 27 minutes long, but it felt like an hour. <laughs> it, it, it felt a bit long. I literally saw 27 minutes. I had a Jimbo moment. I was like, oh, sweet. Only 27 minutes. And then I was like uh-huh. 10 minutes in and I was like, it's only been 10 minutes. Oh, so we'll we'll take that as a no, Liz. Yeah. No, it's a hard pass. Thanks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you. Next. <laughs>
And now, the moment we've all been waiting for, to hoist or not to hoist, that is the question. And remember, hoisting is bad, and if you not hoist, that is good. And so, Drew, are you joining us? No. Um, I, I'm going to have to talk about it more in my MVP, but I liked parts of this show enough, and I thought parts of it were interesting enough that I wouldn't hoist it. I think that, if not necessarily a quote-unquote good pilot, this will still be memorable. All right, so by split decision, the pilot episode for Penis, titled First Day, is hoisted. It's been a while since we've hoisted an episode, actually, so that's, that's, that feels good. And now, for Mo's favorite part of the show, this is the put it anywhere but there, guys, quest for the best and worst pilots ever. There is a running list. Click on it. It's in the show notes. And you can look and see where we're going to place this. So Liz and I are both saying below Titans, man. You, you guys are both saying below Titans? Yeah. Ooh, let me look, let me look around <laughs> Titans. I didn't want to turn Titans off. I wanted to turn this off. Oh, I wanted to turn Titans off in several places. Liz, this was, I, I'm thinking like 72. I'm thinking below Spawn. Like as far as I really did not enjoy this pilot. So Drew, how low can you go? You definitely no, have to go. It's gotta below go Titans. Spawn, man. It's gotta go, dude. Spawn okay, that's was fine. not a story. Spawn was not a story, but it was at least somewhat entertaining. But anyways, uh, how low can you go? You have to go below Titans. This is better than Alex think. New sixty eight. There we go. Ooh, I got pushed way down. Yeah, you should. Sure it happens. It does happen. All right, Drew, take take us into the Petardar. So now we are going to check out our Petardar. These are recommendations based on today's viewing and conversation. Uh, I put down Degrassi. Listen, sometimes you just want to watch garbage. And Degrassi is like hot garbage, but like in the way that like chili fries after a lot of vodka is hot garbage. And for the listeners and me, what is Degrassi's? Degrassi is a... It, came on like teen nick year like in the early 2000 well originally it came on in like tv show movie it's a tv show drake was on it that's where drake started man i can't stand drake so i'll pass on this one (laughs) but uh degrassi is a it's like a high school drama but like it's it's they they deal with like real problems but they deal with it like in a week like a girl has anorexia for a week and then gets over it like, it is dramatic and stupid and dumb, but it's very entertaining. Okay, I'm going to go with Billy Madison because one of the kids in this show looks just like Billy Madison's friend. He does. I know exactly which kid you're talking about. Yeah, he must be related, like a clone or something. Mm-hmm. Or his son. Okay. No, clone, dude. He cloned himself. But anyways, and then also Ace Ventura Pet Detective Part 1 or 2. Maya's Ace Ventura impersonation just made me want to watch Ace Ventura. It was a Those good both excellent films. Yeah. I need to double check on the title of this one, but it kind of came to me while I was talking about it. If you go to the Amazon Prime app, there's a little like seven minute series and it's called like, I think Zach Morris is a horrible human being. Someone just goes through and kind of pedantically picks apart Saved by the Bell episodes and points out how Zach Morris is just the worst like sociopath who throws everyone else under the bus. So it's kind of a nice pen fifteen uh, look back at a show that we used to love, and it's a funny show. 
And now we're going to move into part two. So once again, this is your last warning. If you want to watch this show before we spoil it, pause, go watch, come back. We are going to let the spoilers flow like wine. And first part, as always, Crabman Award. This goes to a character with a small role but giving large contributions. And unless Maya's bro is is eligible for a Crabman Award, I'm going crabless. Maya's bro seems like both. Like, he had, like, multiple lines. I also feel like he has breakout star potential. He, I think he's listed in the, the credits, too. He was the large contributions that I witnessed. Yeah, because he had a large role. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'll take it. Crabless. It's hard thrown. There you go. <laughs> um, so my Crabman Award might just be another first. We can do a Crab Boob Award. Okay. Like, the girl got boobs at the end of the summer. Like, that kind of really sets the stage. Like, it's middle school, hormones are raging, changes have occurred, and that's also some good middle school science. Like, the middle school writing in this episode, like, with the cursing as well as, like, the dumb ideas was fantastic and spot on. So, those kids, like, wondering about getting boobs at the very end of the summer was very much on middle school point for logic. So, there you go. Uh, my crab man is not a person per se, but a thing. It is the kickball that hits uh, Alex in the face. Mm, mm. That That is a nice non-sentient object, but not quite eligible by yeah. by our <laughs> arbitrarily established criteria. So what's, what's going on here? Whenever I talk about anything with like my logic <laughs> and my reasoning, I get yelled at and ridiculed. And Liz has like a measured response. <laughs> yes exactly okay, well all i'm saying is minor funnier i could i could join drew that's fine go ahead drew announce it okay by unanimous decision or default whichever you think is most correct default. the crab man award this week goes to the girl who got boobs at the end of the summer all right hoises so now we're going to move into our most valuable part of the pilot for any new listeners this is the MVP. And it can be anything on or off screen. So I'm going to follow it up. Uh, Maya's bro was my MVP. For whatever reason, he won't kick the kid's ass, which is messed up because I think he totally should have kicked those kids' asses. But he gives her like a sweet burn that he that she should use. And that scene was the only scene that I liked. Jimbo, I see what you're doing there. You're you're trying to make Pilots of Batar's history because you wanted the first crab VP and you wanted to lay claim to that title. I see you. I see you. That's a good MVP. He had a strong performance. He was. He might have been one of the best child actors, even though I think most of the child actors were good, not because they were acting, but because they were kind of just acting like kids. I actually agree. He was also my favorite part of the pilot. Breakout potential. Drew, are you going to join us? Can we, get a, can we get a unanimous MVP here and just move on? No, because that's not how the MVPs work. All right, all right. I was just curious. All right, Drew, what's your MVP? <laughs> Jimbo just wants to win this contest. That I just wanted to contest. go. Let's get this episode over with, man. Let's move it. Jimbo's got a day job. Okay. <laughs> man, this show is so earnest, and it seems so, like, not cynical. And it's probably, like, the most earnest, least cynical thing we've watched. And It's probably why Jimbo doesn't like it. Uh, maybe. I mean, that's the thing. It's like... And me. Yeah, it doesn't have to reinvent the wheel, but also it doesn't have to be a fucking bummer. In like a regular sitcom or something, those kids would have been punished. And like there was no punishment. It was just kind of life. Like it just kind of kept going. 
And so I was like, yeah, like this show was earnest, optimistic in the face of like the shittiness that we know will happen to them. And I was kind of fine with that. I was like, oh, okay, I'm not bummed out or morbidly curious about who the serial killer is or whether or not the base will explode. Like it was just low stakes, but it was like the low stakes slash high stakes of adolescence. And that was fun. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, it's it's called the first day like this. Like that's the big conflict. You got to get through the first day of school, which is huge. I like the tone. See, yeah, I thought the tones were were mixed matched poorly. But Liz, do you have any other comments? And if not, I think we're ready. No. So we're going to dive into literary analysis. There's one that I just need an answer to. Why couldn't they have hired two more 12-year-old actors? Yeah, I did not. I'm with you because I didn't like that decision. I feel like it kept taking me out. I feel like it was really awkward. and But it wasn't awkward in the way that the show should have been awkward. You know what I mean? Because, I mean, the show has an awkward quality to it in that you're dealing with 12-year-olds and being 12 is just awkward. Like, it's an awkward age. But it was awkward in 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 that it just – it it didn't belong. I think they would have been bad actors. Like, 12-year-olds aren't very good actors. Not necessarily. You just gave them the high point. Yeah, because it was very limited acting and they acted very naturally like 12-year-olds who, like, are usually weird and awkward, you know? Like, which – you can do on purpose or you can just hire a bunch of like not very seasoned actors. Dude, those kids were just all acting naturally, which is kind of weird and kind of awkward. You have been raving about the realisticness yeah. of this show. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Have you ever? Yeah. It's because other shows are not realistic. Dude, half the stuff that like middle school kids say to me is so fucking dumb. And like, I can't say that to their face. Like, I so can't why say wouldn't you want them. a real dumb person to do it? Because they wouldn't have pulled it off as well, man. Like I the don't know, two, man. the two leads, like they like make the whole story go around. Like the fact that they're carrying the narrative load makes it easy but for like, I those don't kids. Know if act they rude. pulled it off. Yeah, me either. I mean, I don't know where this show's going per se, but you know, if one of them gets a boyfriend, how does that work? If every other kid in the show is thirteen, they're definitely talking about getting their first kiss, and I think they may have mentioned like finger banging, right? Finger, yeah, yeah like. Like, that's another thing where I'm just like... You got to get some stump fingers in there. Like, that takes me out of it because it's also just like, now we're dealing with like a whole different conversation because there's the ethics, there's like a whole legal ethics of this because you have adult actors playing children, but there's also children who are actually playing your love interest. That's a good point. Which to me is weird and i and i'm not saying that that's the road that the show is taking but even the fact that it's being mentioned is just bizarre to me because like is the first kiss coming this season are they going like like how does that work i mean they could fake the kiss i i think that's not too too difficult to overcome but isn't even the implication because she was daydreaming right? about those little boys, like, on the kickball field. I thought that was a bit strange. <laughs> I'll say this. I mean, yeah, all those things are creepy. I would say I don't think this show works with two. Like, I don't think they can tell the story as quickly and as naturally as they kind of did between, like, you know, they were playing younger, but they were also, like, kind of giving, like, these long lines of exposition and telling a story more quickly than I think younger actors could have. I think the other actors kind of shined because, dude, I don't think any of the young actors had, like, 
very long lines of dialogue at all. And even like the older brother who was probably playing his age, if just a little bit younger was still, you know, okay. I mean, but these are also the writers, like they're writing themselves into this, into this show. Right. I mean, I'm sure the savages have a couple daughters laying around the house that they could toss in to play these <laughs> chicks. Easy dude. Like, it took me a minute to figure out you're talking about the acting family of like Joe Savage and Fred Savage. Cause I was just like, yeah, I didn't know if you meant like actors or like Hollywood people in general. I was like, damn. Jim, oh, from uh, like the jungle or something like some, some, some <laughs> savage Tarzan kids. <laughs> you're like Hollywood folk. So now we're going to jump into part three. We're going outside the pilot. We're doing some related themes of the show or the series. To the stage, we have our stormy Daniels dangling threads of interest. Any stormy news, Drew? Uh, it appears that the stormy intimidation lawsuit or the silencing lawsuit against Donald Trump has been dropped. It would seem that that would be, you know, bad. But uh, Stormy and her lawyers seem to be soldiering on. So, who knows? Hey, if we know anything about Stormy, we know she's going to keep dangling. Let's let's start off with this question to you, Drew. So, you've been in middle schools for 10 years now? 13. So, 13 years ago. Okay, so over the 13 years... Have you seen an improvement in bullying and kind of culture around bullying? Uh, no. I I have seen a huge decrease in physical violence. Maybe huge is like the wrong word, but like definitely more of an awareness of physical violence. I do think that the way that we have a better understanding of like emotional bullying and like cyberbullying and things like that. But I also think that those things have gotten a lot worse. Like the shift. Yeah, I think there's been a shift. And I think like access to technology has made things kind of worse. So I would say that maybe schools are more aware of the different types of bullying, but I don't think they're better prepared than they were of like the type of bullying and stuff that was happening in like 2000. I don't know. But I mean, maybe that's just old people talk. I've been in and out of schools for over 10 years as well. I can definitely see, and maybe this is more just like physical bullying. There's, there's no physical bullying. Like when I was in school, like there was a decent amount of physical cruelty when I was in middle school and high school that I have not witnessed at any of the schools I've been at. But yeah, I mean, I guess a lot in most of the cyber bullying, online bullying, you wouldn't see as a staff member at a school a lot of time. I don't know, Liz, what did you think? Like, how how accurate do you think the portrayal of, like, bullying is in this show? I think my high school and middle school experience is very different from a lot of people. I went to Catholic school up until college. Private school is kind of a really weird bubble to live in. The bullying I saw was never physical. A lot of it was much more, like similar to this where it was like a lot of like rumor spreading and like he said she said and I remember I got in a lot of trouble in I think seventh grade because I I absolutely punched a guy in the face because he told me I was not strong enough to play kickball (laughs) so I punched him and I got in a lot of trouble and then I explained that I was only trying to prove that I was strong enough to play kickball and that was not a good enough reason apparently um, I disagree to this day, but it, it it's one of those things where you really couldn't get away with anything. High school, a lot of things happened outside of the halls. 
things were kind of like the parties you were invited to, the things that happened there. There was a lot more drugs and alcohol in my high school because everybody had money except for the honor kid students who were there on scholarship. So, but that was just like, cause I went to just a really weird environment. <laughs> See, you're kind of bringing up something that I was going to talk about, which is, it seems like there's no resolution in this show because it kind of seems like the adults are oblivious. Like, I think that's real even in like today's educational world. And so Jimbo kind of texted me like, do I think that like my school's getting better about bullying or do I think schools in general are getting better about bullying? I think that, yes, schools are getting better about bullying, especially physical bullying, like we talked about. But I also think that, like, I would guess that even, like, the best teacher in, like, the best environment misses, like, 70% of what kids do to each other. Maybe 50 to 70%. I don't know. You can't do anything about what's not visible. And that's probably part of what is like cyberbullying. That's part of the problem, at least I know in my high school, of like what happened outside of school. We had kids who literally were buying cocaine because they had mom and dad's money. School couldn't do anything. They knew it was happening, but they couldn't do anything. It wasn't happening in their halls. 2000 was a weird time because like, yeah, the internet kind of existed, but it wasn't kind of this mammoth beast it is now, which is also why I think physical violence is going down in schools because like... They're too addicted to their cell phone. Well, you also can't get away with punching someone. You can get away with cyber harassing someone. I have been cyber harassed online by someone I personally know in real life to the point where I've had to block their IP address. That person would never do that to me in real life. Like I have seen them in actual events and they would never ad- like address that in real life. They don't have the courage to. There's also this idea of like they feel much stronger behind a keyboard. Uh, so that's like a whole other thing. I don't even think like addicted to a cell phone is part of the problem. I-, I think it's like they feel like they can get away with it when they're behind a keyboard when they're unsupervised. And this person was like 35. So I can only imagine what like a 13 year old feels like. (laughs) I guess that goes back to why I maybe am thinking that there's been an improvement because when I was in school, like there was still that philosophy that bullying makes you stronger and it's part of growing up to like get bullied. So I know for a fact, a lot of the teachers knew kids were getting bullied and they just didn't care. Like literally like turn a blind eye. Whereas today, like I I couldn't imagine that happening at too at too many schools, especially like you know like 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 that. That's what I'm saying. Like I haven't witnessed bullying that I witnessed as as a student. But yeah, I mean online. Like I guess there's ways to prevent it at school as far as like they block a bunch of the websites. But yeah, you can't really stop kids outside of school from doing anything. Kids are always ahead of us. Like the kids always like we block every game site, every because I'm at a one to one school, so we have like a Chromebook for every single kid. It's part of like the way we like do instruction. It's probably do homework and shit. But like we are never ahead of the kids. We're always right behind them. We always like figure out what they're doing, send out a patch. We get an email that's just like you know watch out for this, and then we respond to it. But we are never like proactive. Like they're always ahead of us. I believe that. I believe that 100%. <laughs> and last week, I had made a joke about, about my new 12th grade students being like dangerous minds. And even then, like they don't really, they're, they're really apathetic and 
they're not all that nice to each other, but it's not it's not exactly bullying I'm seeing. It's more just they're messing with with each other. There's not really like I haven't witnessed a power dynamic that that would constitute like bullying. It's more just kind of a culture of talking crap to each other going both ways within my own high school career. I don't know if I was per se bullied. I do know that I faced a lot of casual sexism. And I know that I faced that because I was so active in my debate club. Because I was president of the debate club, I know that I faced that because I did activities that predominantly were male, especially the academic sector. The nickname to call me behind my back was the bitch. And it wasn't because I was bitchy. It was because I did model UN. And that's ridiculous to think. But that's that's kind of what high school does is it is is and I, and I can't you know, I don't I don't work in a school. I can't speak for schools now, but at least when I went and certainly I was not the only student to have this issue, you know, you get reduced to this this stereotype. And and it was very unfair, and it was very stupid. <laughs> and teachers were probably aware. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, I had I I literally had a female teacher who despised me, and I'm pretty sure she like approved of it. She most likely did. I worked with some garbage kid hating people. P- teachers who you think hated you did hate you. Whoever's like out there being like, mostly parents are telling their kids that. I'm like, eh. Kids are really emotionally intelligent. Like they'll, they'll make those, like, they're the ones who are like calling out fairness and they're accurate. You know, they're like, like, that's not fair. Why are you doing that for him? Like I have some, like I had a colleague who just would just like hate on kids and just like basically shit on kids and stuff because like even kids who like would just come in reading two or three grade levels below, like the dude was just so systemically racist, like and institutionally so much so they didn't even realize like who he was as a person, which made it really hard to like help him like get to the end of the year and not be shitty to like all these kids the kid who you think can't do it like he knows that you're shitting on him like he may not be reading at grade level but he's emotionally intelligent because he's been reading people his whole life to take care of himself like he knows that you think he's dirt and he's not going to work for you and i'm i'm very good at reading people like so i absolutely could tell and and then throughout through high school i also really suffered from anxiety and that was also like well known within my high school especially through administrators and like there were just teachers who like i think looked at that as kind of like a burden not as like a disability to accommodate it was kind of like oh elizabeth sensitive elizabeth's annoying to teach not like elizabeth needs further assistance in this way or another like it, it's just and and hopefully that's changing i mean once again i don't work in schools i can't speak to that and i can't speak to every teacher but i don't i don't think there's been much progress in in those areas i mean teachers aren't really trained in that they're supposed to be informed and aware and they're supposed to have someone help them but i mean that's that's a i mean that's like a lot of extra stuff for teachers to art you know that are already overwhelmed I mean, yeah, and teachers aren't exactly treated very well in this country, so you can't fault. Yeah, them like I've I have two students that have IEPs, and I haven't got any information about that yet. It's been two weeks. They sleep in class, Ooh. and they're not 
being mean, so I let him. <laughs> yeah. It's just, yeah, I was talking to a buddy of mine who she was having a really shit two months. And I was just like, you just don't get days off. Like, every time, like, every interaction, like, a teacher has during a day is just like a tiny psychological microtransaction that you have to process or don't. And if you don't process them, you know, you're kind of setting yourself up. But, like, when I was on paternity leave... I went into school twice to like take care of like two things I just need to take care of. And like I was saying hi, I was high fiving a couple people I showed a baby picture to or something. And then just like whatever, I didn't want to be there that day. So I was just like getting out of the building. And this one kid who people had told me was like messing around and wasn't there it was like, hey man, like bathroom passes are for four minutes or less. Quit taking advantage of the sub. I'll be back eventually. And I just like went out the door. When I came back from paternity leave, like two, like a month and a half later, Someone told me, like, they're like, oh, yeah, dude, like, that kid was just so pissed off the rest of the day. He was like, he doesn't see me for a month, and the fuck does he talk to me about, like, this stuff? And I was like, oh, shit. I didn't know you cared that much at all. (laughs) And so, like, yeah, maybe I should have, like, taken a little longer than half a second to think about what I was going to say to you. Ugh, that kid hates me. It's okay. I had these two students, they, they show up late every single day and they came into my class late when it wasn't their class. Like they came in messing around and they're like, oh, hey, we have forgot that paper. And I was like, and I thought they were serious. I was like, oh yeah, that's fine here. I have it. And I gave it to them. They're like, can we get a pass? And I was like, hell no, I'm not giving you guys a pass. Like you, sh- you came into here late. Like this isn't even your class. But then like I thought about it later. I was like, you know what? I could have gave them a pass and I would have like won them over a little bit and I could have just told them like I won't ever do it again, but they would have come to you again. <laughs> I know, they would have <laughs> I think I think it would have been a low cost to me. To me, like the benefit cost analysis was okay. I think they're gonna hit you for a whole pass if you give them one next time. That's it. But anyways, like that's what I was thinking. I was like, man, maybe I maybe it would have been worth it just to give them a whole pass and be like next time definitely not. There's, there's some quote I read or not read, but I've seen in a couple trainings where it's just like teachers have the power, like teachers have like the ability to like inflict like ridiculous cruelty or ridiculous kindness with like the smallest effort, you know, like it takes like very little effort to go one way or the other. And that's just kind of the difference between those two acts. I I do tell students that they're shitty. I, I very much qualify that statement because we are a refugee school, which means that some students I have have seen like way more stuff than I'll ever see in like my lifetime. But generally when we talk about like kids being cruel, I just like relate it to life experience and tell them to read books. I don't know. I think the kids are cruel just because they have no life experience except for some kids who do. But even those kids can still be cruel. They have a good, they have a better reason than kids who don't like, there's some stuff you can unpack there. Whereas, like, some kids are just shitty because they don't have life experience and they don't understand how the things they do can inflict harm on others. And sometimes they never learn. They become, like, shitty adults. Yeah, I think maybe the answer is just people are cruel. That's true. Okay. All right. And so we are going to – I think we're going to wrap it up. We'll move into Section 4. There's no Petard trivia tonight. Next week – you know, actually, we are taking a month off, I think. We'll probably record, but we're not going to publish anything for one month. We are – I am especially – going to chill and not worry about editing and i was going to talk to liz about that off mic after we finished recording okay i had not mentioned it to her oh yeah <laughs> vacation liz <laughs> <laughs> if you can't tell by the plugs i'm about to announce the show is officially over 
We would like to thank Jake Drew for our intro and outro music. Fuck you, Jake Drew, for recommending Penis First Day. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and our Facebook group. We do want to continue these conversations. Tell Drew some more reasons why this show sucks. You know, whatever. He's he's you know, he's out there to listen. Anything else? I, I think um I'm good on Shop Talk tonight. There's a lot of shop talks throughout the show. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, this was a shop talkish dangling thread. All right. Well, every day I'm hoistling. Drew out. Every day we hoistling. Jimbo out. Every day we hoistling. Liz out. Have a good night. <laughs>